0: I am so proud of myself for oiling my hinges. Isn't that funny? (laughs) I hope you all slept good. I slept good. I'm still not quite done with the jet lag. But I'm feeling great when I'm awake and so that I'm awake weird hours I've decided to just embrace find good things to do during those unusual times so that's what I'm doing I am loving my personal study of this chronological study of Jesus. I've never done it before. I don't know why it's never even crossed my mind before because I love the chronological Bible. Um, I've read the chronological Bible for the last three years as my Bible reading plan. And its I just love it so much. And uh, this year I tried another plan and... I'm disliking it so much because it's not chronological. It does. It's going to the Old Testament and then it pops to the New Testament. And it's neat because the New Testament it goes to is referencing the Old Testament, but I'm just not into it. I want my chronological Bible back. I think I'm going to end this plan midstream. <laughs> I have embraced... uh In my older years, older years, I don't think I'm old, but you know, I'm not 20 and I definitely like consistency these days. So anyway, so I love my chronological Bible. I'm not sure why it's never crossed my mind to study Jesus chronologically over the four gospels, but I am enjoying this so much. And you know, I would. I do these writings and research and I have this devotion time anyway. And so I'm going to do this anyway and the Lord knows I would make these recordings for one person, for three people. Um, I just, I can't help myself. I just love talking about the Word of God and sharing the Word of God. Um, but I, I do encourage you to share it because the more people who can enjoy God the way I do, man, surely this world would be a better place. I love God so much. He's been so good to me. The place I am right now with, uh what I do for God, how I am loved by people directly due to my efforts really to please God, I'm just so, so thankful. I'm so thankful. So we're going to move on today in our Jesus series, and we're getting into the story where Jesus got a whip and went and took care of a few things. And so it's unusual that I'm going to title this loving like Jesus <laughs> when we're talking about a whip. <laughs> but that is what what I feel like this is about. Let's let's go back a little bit. So in John chapter 2, Jesus was at the wedding he turned water to wine and that wedding was done in Cana of Galilee John 2 verse 11 the beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifest forth his glory and his disciples believed on him what I learned and and mentioned in the last podcast about Jesus manifesting his glory is worth you going back and listening to that if you've not heard that Verse 12, after this, he went to Capernaum. So he goes from Cana to Capernaum. Cana is inland, kind of like where we live in Marion County, Florida, is inland. And the Capernaum is about 20 miles away. So, and it's also on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. So It says in verse 12 that it was he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples. So they go from Cana to Capernaum and in talking about loving like Jesus, I want to point out that this was a natural method that Jesus used to influence his disciples to convey direction and insight. It it takes about six and a half hours, according to my Google, of relaxed walking to get from Cana to Capernaum. So we're talking about a day of walking together. And the kinds of things you can learn about each other, when you spend this kind of time together, you can learn about each other over a cup of coffee, but you take a trip together and you learn a whole new level about people <laughs> when you take a trip together. And six and a half hours of relaxed walking, and you think about those disciples and, and Jesus and Jesus' brothers and mary the the way conversations people kind of move in and out of different circles and different mm-hmm. conversations and move from the back to the front and to the middle oh mm-hmm. the absolute wealth of of conversation that happened then and um matthew thirteen fifty five and mark 6-3 Name Jesus family members <coughs> oh. Oh. <coughs> So Star is joining us this morning um, She's Morgan just left I guess she's trying to figure out what Morgan's doing I'm going to go ahead and Remind everybody that I have a studio upstairs But it's where I work And I am up in my studio several times a week and I don't want my devotion time to be in my studio. So I am in my devotional chair and you're going to hear my dishwasher and you're not going to hear my door because I oiled those hinges, but I do have Marco by my side here and you might hear Star. She's the loud one. She also has a jingle on her collar, so you're going to hear them from time to time. And that's just how it's going to be. So let's look at who these people are, because um, it's surprising to me that people do not know that Mary did not continue as a virgin. What made her birth of Jesus miraculous is that it was a virgin birth. But after Christ's birth, Mary and Joseph lived a traditional marriage, married life, and they had children. And so by the time we get to Jesus' adulthood, where it starts following his ministry, we do not hear anything else about Joseph, which tells us that he um, must have died before Jesus' ministry started at the age of 30. So Mary was a widow at this point. The brothers of Jesus, they would have been half-brothers because they were of Mary and Joseph, they were James, Joseph, Simon, and Jude. And we also know that he had sisters, but they are not named. But he did have sisters as well. And then at this point when he's making this walk from Cana to Capernaum, he's going to have picked up at least... The first five of his disciples. And so they would have been traveling with him, if, if not more. So at this point, we know this is a party of at least 11 making this six and a half hour journey. And it was likely on foot. If they would have had a animal of, um, to travel with, it likely would have been a, a mule or a donkey, um, because the other animals that were typical to use were very expensive, and we know that Jesus' family did not have a lot of money. So then in John 2, 13, 25, it says it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. And this is beautiful to me and several ways, one of them, because I find it heartwarming that Jesus had respect for holidays and traditions. Um, if you're, if you know me well, um, I don't like to decorate. (laughs) So I, all of this seasonal decor just drives me crazy. I, I cannot keep up. It's like I can, I can buy a wreath for my door, And that's about as far as it's going to go for me. (laughs) I'm just not, (laughs) not changing out inside decor. I'm just not doing it. I'm not boxing stuff up and storing it. I'm just not doing it. And so, um, I, I'm, I call myself the Grinch. I love Christmas, but I just don't like, like the decor. I don't like the extra work involved. So I think I'm learning from Jesus that, that Jesus took time to have respect for holidays and traditions. And, and, uh, I have this past year, I have definitely learned to embrace that. (laughs) And then it's especially sweet that, and a sweet, sweet is a, a very feminine word, I guess, it's deep, it's uh, thought-provoking, that he went through this effort for Passover. Because, of course, Passover is completely and utterly symbolic of what he was on earth to do. Passover included killing a lamb. Jesus Christ is that lamb. And the Passover included ripping bread apart. When Jesus, we know from his last Passover, when he was ripping that bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. And so every Passover that Jesus experienced in his life was a reminder of him of what he would endure in his body for the saving of all of mankind. And so it's especially special that Jesus Christ went to this effort to acknowledge and participate in the Passover. Excuse me. In verse 14, in the temple area, he saw Merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifice. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Now, this is, this was appalling to Jesus. He's here for a deeply sentimental event, tradition, holiday. He is here to participate in something that is especially to him important. And he gets to the temple area and he sees this, oh my goodness, this nonsense going on. Now, I have to tell you why I fully understand this letdown. So several years ago, my experience in Israel was... Not at all what I had hyped it up to be in my spirit. So I went on a Mediterranean cruise with my parents. There was a large group of us that went. It was for my parents, parents. I believe it was their 30th wedding anniversary. They, they, it was this big, beautiful event. And I had been fasting and praying leading up to our entrance into Israel. Like this was going to be every, it was actually called the the Holy Land Cruise because every port that we stopped in was a biblical port. So we started in Athens and we went to um, Turkey. Um, anyway, every port was a biblical port. And so every port had, we went to the Isle of Patmos, for instance, every port had significance at it, but I had been just like putting all of my hope and excitement and sentiment into the Israel port. I was so excited (laughs) No one had prepared me that the population of Israel in general, it's just like every other town, you know, they're not extra spiritual over there. They're not, as a matter of fact, atheism is, is huge in Israel. And, you know, I just wasn't prepared for modern life. I just was My head was all geared up into this very spiritual Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to walk where Jesus walked. I was so excited. And I walked out, out of a prayer meeting in my cabin onto the bow of this cruise ship. And the first thing I see is this huge modern factory with the word D-A-G-A-N. Dagon. Now, I don't know how many of the modern people know this, but I knew the name Dagon because that was the name of the Philistines God. <laughs> and so, you know, when the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and battle and they put it in their temple and then their God Dagon, you know, like his parts of the statue fell off and it happened again. And then they sent the, argue the covenant back. I knew the name Dagon from that. And this is the first thing I'm seeing when I'm approaching my beloved Israel. I'm like, what is going on here? And of course, it was this modern looking building. It's a modern port. So you've got all these smokestacks and steam. And oh, it was just such a letdown. Now, with that being said, I want to give some props to Israel because it would have been better if I'd have approached it from probably an airport, if the first person I'd have met would have been my, my tour guide and it just, there would have been some things better, but because I'm not trying to talk people out of going to Israel. And I will tell you that Aton Chamberlain is the best tour guide, um, after my, experience of seeing the Dagon. It turns out Dagon, the Dagon factory is a bread factory. I think Dagon means wheat or something like that. I don't remember. Maybe it means bread, but nevertheless, (laughs) what is this nonsense? Blasphemy. I'm here for the to walk in the streets of Jesus. Oh no. So I suggest if you go to Israel, make sure you Connect with Aton Chamberlain, E-I-T-A-N. You can hook up with him on Facebook. His touring company is called Samson Tours, S-A-M-S-O-N Tours. And Aton grew up in Souls Harbor, which is my church. And in his adult life, he moved to Israel. He married a woman from there. They have two beautiful boys. Um, I mean, he is, I, I kind of, I wish I knew for sure before I wade into this recording, but I'm pretty sure he is a, an Israeli citizen. Um, I know his boys. Um, English is definitely not their strongest language. I, I'm sure they understand some English because they interact with their grandmother. Um, but anyway, if you go, hook up with Aton, do it with Samson Tours. I'm not getting any money from this. I'm just telling you, after that huge letdown and then every place I went, you know, the Catholic Church has made so many places into shrines and it was difficult for me to get past that, but Aton made it wonderful. Um, he has been a student of the Word of God from his teen years and um, that old anointing sprang up. He was talking to us on the Sea of Galilee and he was describing you know, imagine this, the storm coming up and he was describing how the storm still come up on the Sea of Galilee. And oh my goodness, the anointing was moving. And then, then I was happy to be in Israel. <laughs> so I can imagine though, Jesus getting into this temple area and seeing the merchants selling cattle, she doves for sacrifices, exchanging foreign money and him just saying, No, no. And verse 15, Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers, coins all over the floor, turned over their tables, then going over to the people who sold doves. He told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And... So that is a a passionate response to this deeply religious place. You know, don't forget Jesus was here to experience a a holiday, a tradition of Passover that was representative of what he came to earth for. Why he came to earth And so that he would have this emotional response is, is a no brainer. And we, our society by we, I mean, our, our, our American culture, we see fit to make signs and stand in front of abortion clinics and scream and holler for them to close down those clinics. And I am thankful for every one of those people and the passion that they have to make their voice heard in that arena. And then you've got the other side that that also scream and holler and rant in the streets wanting abortions and then every other kind of thing that people get in the streets for and they show their intense emotion about this this occurrence that's happening in the society and they want to do something about it. And I say that we need to allow spiritual leadership to show their passion because their passion stems from the Lord's passion. They love the things of God. And therefore, the men and women of God need to take authority and to call for repentance. And we need to allow them the freedom to do that if you've got a pastor that is willing to get in the pulpit and call for repentance in a very passionate way with a lifted voice, with a stomp of his foot, with a, a, a demonstrative uh, physical behavior, you need to thank God that you have someone who is willing to take on this same passion that Jesus Christ himself took on. And say, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You have made it into a den of thieves. And this is not appropriate. This is not appropriate. When Jesus had this reaction, verse 17, it says, then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. The zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. And that's a direct quote of Psalms 69, verse 9. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. In verse 18, the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. And, and this is interesting because they demanded show us a miraculous sign to prove it. And Jesus, his response to that miraculous sign was, all right, verse 19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. In verse 20, they, they exclaimed, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to rebuild it in three days. They didn't realize that Jesus, when he said this temple, he was talking about his own body. And, uh, verse 22 says, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, his disciples, three years after this, this is the beginning of Christ's ministry. Jesus had just performed his first miracle of turning water to wine. Then they made that walk to Capernaum and then they came to Jerusalem for Passover And so this is at the beginning of the disciples' relationship with Jesus. And then three and a half years later, they remembered that Jesus had said, in three days, I will raise it up again. And so I want to remind us, as we are living for God, we will read scripture. We will hear someone prophesy. We will hear a word go forth from the pulpit. And and we may not understand it right then but you've got to stay faithful through it all before understanding comes it is so important that we obey before we understand it is so important that we begin a habit of sticking with God through it all Before we get understanding, because we might have to go through some things. Jesus disciples had to wait three and a half years before they understood that when Jesus said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. He was talking about his crucifixion. So stay loyal, stay loyal for a lifetime. There's an old song that says we will understand it better by and by. You've got to stick with God through every trial. You, you're going to see a lot happen in the church year after year, decade after decade, before you start really getting some understanding. Oh, I've seen this before. I've seen God work it out before. So I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm not going to get caught up in the drama of it. I'm not going to get caught up in the gossip of it. I'm not going to let bitterness settle in during this because I'm, I am determined to hold out to the end because the understanding will come by and by. And you know, Jesus, Jesus said when they said, show us a miraculous sign to prove you've got the power, the authority to do this. Jesus Jesus said to them, the ultimate miracle that you're going to see is in three days, I'm going to rise again. And yet in verse 23, we see that Jesus did actually begin to do some miraculous signs. Verse 23 says, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. So Jesus did perform the miraculous. And therefore, he did prove that he had the authority to walk into that temple and do what he did. But verses 24 and 25 speak to us as we are living for God and, and as we are trying to love people the way Jesus loved people. You know, him going into that temple and driving out those those people who were not behaving properly in the house of God, that was an act of love. That he was calling them to a state of repentance was an act of love. He was demonstrating not only to those people that they needed to get their behavior right, but he was demonstrating to every onlooker, this is not the right behavior, and I love you enough to make a scene to show you this is not the right behavior. But verses 24 and 25 go on to show an even bigger kind of love. Because verse 24 says, But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. Verse 25, no one needed to tell him what mankind was really like. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He had been seeing the failure of humanity from Eve and Adam all the way through. No one needed to tell Jesus, these people are not going to love you. These people are going to end up crucifying you. These people are going to stab you in the back. Why are you healing them? Why are you giving them the gift of these miracles? Jesus didn't have to trust them to love them to the point of hope. I hope You get your heart right. I hope you'll get your attitude right. No one needed to tell him what mankind was like. He was the I am. And so the same goes for us. We don't love people because of how perfectly they love us. We don't teach them because of how uh, perfect they are, how holy they are. We don't fellowship with them because they've got all their ducks in a row no no we are being christ's hands we are trying to be like christ christians we are trying to be like christ and therefore we're going to love people the way jesus loved people people are people teach them anyway People are people, love them anyway. People are people, fellowship with them anyway. People are people, give your life for them anyway. We are trying to be like Christ. Therefore, we love, we teach, we take authority, we fellowship, we woo, we give our life for our brothers and sisters, for our coworkers, for our neighbors, we give our life for them because Christ gave His life for them. God bless you. I hope you have a great day.